We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran in picturesque South St. Louis. And you are listening to Wrestling with the Basics. And as we promised you last week, I have to give you part two of my editorial comment. Uh, the wait one... is over, everyone. Part two. <laughs> I know it's right. been a long week. You're on the edge of your seat for part two. Finally, it is come. <laughs> so, 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 part one to just re- remind you is, we, let's not go to war about Christmas, okay? Frankly, people that are saying happy holidays, they're not celebrating Christmas anyway. So I wouldn't get upset about it. I just ask you to remember why we're celebrating Christmas, because it's about Jesus Christ, God becoming flesh, becoming one of us. It's just a remarkable story. You know, Matt, there's no other God that's ever done that in the history of the world. There there were some Greek gods that pretended to be human so they could get it on with some good-looking human chicks. (laughs) But... (laughs) But as as self-serving. As, yeah, it is. And well, they didn't. They didn't experience loneliness. They weren't hungry because they really weren't human. They just pretended to be human. But our God, think of. Oh, I can't, I'm sorry. I just get all wrapped up in that. It's just so astounding. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah. rightly so, John. It's it's a miracle. It's miraculous. It's God's great love and grace for us. That's worth getting excited about. Good. So, so here's the thing, though. Do you know who were the first people to war? against Christmas. This is not a new thing, this war against Christmas. It actually goes all the way back, oh, about to the beginning of our nation, as a matter of fact. You know who were the first people that warred against Christmas? Back to the Puritans, John? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. See, they, they thought, too, well, we don't need Santa. We don't need Rudolph. We don't need any of that. Don't decorate any trees. Let's not have any parties, these Christmas carols, no. And so they actually abolished the celebration of Christmas. Christians abolished the celebration of Christmas. No more. No more big goose or anything like that. Uh, And I just want people to understand, no, I'm I'm not a Puritan. I, I don't see anything wrong with all of these secular celebrations, as long as, of course, you remember that's not really Christmas. But I'm all for uh, having, you know, a big meal and having a party, and I love getting gifts. I, I've got nothing against that. In fact, think about it, Matt. Santa Claus, he understood what the true meaning of Christmas was, right? <laughs> If you're talking about St. Nick, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, why did he give out gifts? Because he thought God had given him the greatest gift possible when God the Father sent his son to earth. And and think about Rudolph. Rudolph is a story about someone who is rejected by all of his friends, and yet when they are in need, what does he do? He helps them out. Yeah, he gets out there with his bright shine. He uses his God-given <laughs> gifts. There you go. Right? He had this God-given, and he used it for the very people who didn't even want to play their reindeer games with him. 
That, you got a point, John. You know, well, I, I said there. Yeah, I think there is there is a way I think to look at at some of those symbols for Christmas. Some have always been secular, right? Like yeah. Rudolph, I would imagine. But yeah, can we can we look at that through a Christian lens in a way? But then some of these things actually had a sacred meaning, and we just forgot they had a sacred yeah. meaning. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you think about the holly and the red berries. You know, it was a symbol for even you know at Christmas we remember well how it's going to end you know the crown of thorns and drops of blood you know red berries red blood you know so i mean some of these have had sacred meanings but we've just forgotten about it so it, it's kind of nice to bring that back to light for people and and so that's what i would recommend let's quit whining and complaining about how secular the holiday's been but i like your thought let's find the the christianity that may be existing within those things. And, and from that, then we can direct people to the real meaning of what's Christmas all right. And, and in fact, uh, Grandpa John, in a few weeks, will be back to tell you the story behind the lights on the Christmas tree, because, you know, that actually is a Lutheran tradition. And as I do, uh, not every year, but most Christmases, I'll share with you the, the wonderful story that lies behind the lights on the Christmas tree. But that's, that is for the future, Matt. You, you keep uh, giving us these, these, uh, cliffhangers john you know reasons to tune back in so we, we will do that well i've been watching a lot of tv and i notice that's what they always do they <laughs> never they them. never yeah no closure they always leave things hanging uh but anyway so that that's my thought i let's not get all worked up about sand and rudolph but as you said let, let's look i bet you there's something in there that we can address as christians and again just draw people into this wonderful wonderful christmas message the peace that they'll never find in all of the christmas cards and the christmas gifts and all of the holiday partying which in the end just kind of leaves you uh, wore out and blah and uh but what what we have in terms of god's forgiveness and what i love about it about god's forgiveness and love is it's even there when we feel blah our blondness doesn't end that. It doesn't stop that. It's still there for us. All right. Now, you said, though, you had another insight about the virgins, about the ten virgins we were talking about last week. Yeah, John. Th thanks. So, again, um, just a quick recap. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is telling this parable about uh, the kingdom of heaven or the reign of heaven. It will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So the, the, they're, they're part of this wedding celebration, right? These ten virgins attending the bride. The bridegroom is is coming, but but guess what? Uh, five of the virgins are described as wise. Five are foolish. The foolish ones don't take enough oil for their lamps. Um, the wise ones do, and then the wise ones are able to, then to yeah to to accompany the bride and bridegroom into the wedding feast and celebrate with them. And the foolish ones are shut out, right? And yeah. as you pointed out last week, you know um, they they all appear to be. Um, bridesmaids, virgins, and you know, part of the celebration, but yet five of them, yeah, are pretty foolish. Five of them, they're unprepared. They don't have the essential oil uh, that's needed for their lamps. All right. Uh, so again, John, we talked about what what it, what event is this parable pointing us ahead to and talking about ultimately? It's the end of the world, right? Yeah. So this is yeah. yeah so it's, it, we're talking about the you know the marriage feast of his lamb and his kingdom that has no end. We're talking about Jesus' return. And, you know, for us as Christians, boy, we rejoice in that because he's coming to, to take us home to heaven, body and soul. Wonderful. Um, is this the only place Jesus talks about his return in Matthew's gospel? Oh, no. No, Far sir. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's yeah. all over the place. Um, but, 
you know, I think this one account, though, is unique among the others when Jesus talks about his return. And I just wanted to point that and, out. And okay. how is that unique, Matt? I'm what is unique asked, about this? I'm glad you asked. So, yeah. okay, when you, when you look at all the times Jesus talks about his return, uh, and we'll just limit it to Matthew's gospel, um, yeah. what, what are some things we know about the timing of it? Um, do we know when he's going to return? Nope, 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 that's the we, whole thing. We don't thing. know when he's going to return. You don't know. So, I think that's how the parable ended. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. So, so what are we called to do then um, as Christians since we don't know the time of Jesus' return? What, what should we do in anticipation for his return? Well, I guess we just sit around twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> no, John. <laughs> no, no. All right. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> be prepared, right? Be prepared. Oh, be, be prepared. prepared. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. And we talked about that last week a little with the oil and, you know, the means of grace certainly preparing us and repentance and forgiveness preparing us. Okay. So, but, but in, in a lot of those, in, in pretty much every other, you know, time Jesus is talking about his return, be prepared, be ready, because yeah. his return could be when? Whenever, who knows? Yeah, could be today, right? Yeah, I'm coming. Either day soon. or the hour might be right now, even before this show is over. Exactly. Be prepared. It could be any moment, any time. Be prepared. It could be today, right? It could be before yeah. the end of wrestling the basics. Um, but this is where this parable is a little different, right? Um, because what happens? Um, verse five of the parable. Um, why do the virgins run out of oil? Oh, um, did you catch that? Yeah. Because he was delayed. 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 Yeah, he was delayed. He didn't show up. And they got, they all, they all became drowsy and slept. Yes. Even even the wise uh, virgins. Yep, you bet. You bet. So why was the bridegroom delayed? (laughs) According to the parable. I know, but you, you tell me. Well, I have no idea. I mean, this oh, terrible, at least, right? Well, we don't know. Yeah, that doesn't say. That's a good <laughs> point. Say. You yeah. know, I don't know. But he got held up. He was in traffic. He was, you know, <laughs> that's right. I don't he know. He was held up in traffic. I'm <laughs> sure that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his chariot got held up in traffic. I don't know. You know, so he was delayed. Well, you know? it was Christmas. You know what the crowds are like at Christmas time? <laughs> We're back to the Christmas again. Yeah. Oh, boy. The, so he's delayed, um, and, and you know some are you know they, some are caught unprepared. So I think this parable, one of the things it teaches us is you know be prepared for Jesus' return because it could be it could be today, but guess what? It might not be today. Might not be. Uh, yeah. Be ready for the long haul, right? It could yeah. be a while, and so I I think that's important for us to know too. Uh, so you know. Um, as parents and grandparents, teach the faith to your kids, <laughs> because it might be a while. They may be needing to teach their children and their grandchildren about Jesus, too, because it could be a few more generations before his return. Um, you know, Keep coming to worship. Keep getting fed by word and sacrament, um, because it, it could be a while, and you're going to need to be sustained. You're going to need that oil. Um, Jesus, yep, could be eminent. His return could be today, but it might not be. It might be a few more generations. It might be a few more hundred years. And with that in mind, be ready for the long haul. Prepare yourself. Prepare your loved ones. uh, Pass on the faith to the next generations. It could be a while. He might be delayed. And Jesus' reasons, uh, the Lord's reasons for returning when he does, that's known only to God. He, He gives us a glimpse saying he's being patient, right? You know, he's being patient so that others may believe. Uh, But yet, 
um, it might be a while. So I, I like this parable because I think it's one of the few places, um, maybe the only clear place in Matthew's gospel where the, the message is, yeah, be ready for the long haul. It, it might be a marathon rather than a sprint when it comes to Jesus' return. Uh, so, so be prepared. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, whether it's soon or whether it's far away, be prepared. You know, that's the main point. That's but, the thing. That's, that's the, main, the thing. Yeah. main thing. Always be prepared. But in, in our preparedness, you know, don't, um, don't stop, don't stop coming to words or don't stop teaching the faith because he might come today, you know, um, no, instead keep living out your vocations, keep teaching the faith, keep being sustained, uh, by word and sacrament so that, um, whenever that time is that, that we're prepared. So, so here's the thing. Uh, we, we actually do know why he hasn't come yet. Uh, it is, as you said, alluding to the passage in Peter, mm-hmm. where it says it's not that he's slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some count slowness. You bet. <laughs> it wasn't just that he was taking his time getting dressed. Uh, he's being patient, as you said. And, and that passage always tickles me because uh, it's not just that he's being patient with other people, but he says, I'm waiting for you to repent. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so maybe the reason he hasn't come is because you and I still have some things to do to get prepared that we thought we were prepared, but we really weren't. Yeah. Uh, the other thought I had, too, is is this whole phenomenon that, that Lutherans like to talk about, the, the, the now and not yet, uh, because you're right. This parable is obviously talking about what is yet to come, uh, the return of the bridegroom, that promise that Jesus will come at the end of the world. And yet, on the other hand, guess what, people? You can go to the bridegroom's festival this Sunday if you'd like. I bet you, I bet you there's any number of churches that will be celebrating the bridal meal, the bridal feast, the giving of the body and the blood for you for the forgiveness of sins, for you to eat and for you to drink. So, you know, guess what? You don't necessarily have to wait. Go down. Go to your church right now. And, and don't go just as the outer uh, uh, appearance of Christianity. Don't go just because you want to show everybody you're a virgin and you don't, you're not into the bad and wicked stuff. But go uh, so that you can. You can receive that oil. Be filled up with that oil that comes from God's love and God's forgiveness. Um, but thank you for reminding us, Matt, that, yeah— it's it, probably for most of us, it's not going to happen uh, anytime soon, which is all the more reason why, like you said, we need to just keep taking in that word and that sacrament because there's a lot of challenges we're going to have to face before Jesus Christ returns. Uh, and yet again, there is that tension, is there, Matt? Because, you know, as a guy who almost four years ago had a major heart attack, yeah, literally, I might be in the middle of doing this show and all of a sudden it'll just be dead air. And God bless you, Matt, if that should ever happen. <laughs> we hope not, John. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope not either. But but you probably know, and I do too, the stories of pastors preaching and in the middle of their sermon all of a sudden yep. um, it just comes to an end. Yep. But, but see, again, that'll be okay because you know and I know I, I, I got the oil. My lamp is full. And I didn't fill it. I didn't fill it. But the Lord Jesus Christ has filled it up with his love and his forgiveness. And that's what Christmas is all about. Um, Well, anyway, I could ramble on to the fact that all the Christmas gifts and all the Christmas cards we have uh, a month, uh, two months from now, will be meaningless, most of all. But but, uh, the gift of Jesus Christ will be just as relevant then as it is now. Um, 
All right. Now, you wanted to talk about something, though, that assures us that we, we're okay whenever the end of the world comes. Some, some beautiful promises in Revelation 7. Yeah. Is, yeah, I think that's a nice tie-in. Yeah. Um, you know, many of our uh, listeners, if they were able to attend worship on All Saints Day weekend, uh, that's the very beginning of November. November 1st is technically All Saints Day, uh, but we yeah. usually observe that in worship the, the weekend closest to that. One of the readings was Revelation 7, and I think... Um, there's a beautiful promise for us there when it comes to the certainty of that hope, right? A certain hope uh, at the time of our death, certainly, yeah, right? Uh, like you just talked about, John, uh, but also at the time of Christ's return, when you know, the dead are raised, we're joining together body and soul in heaven, um, and, and we're together. So, uh, yeah, let's we'll, we'll turn to Revelation chapter 7, and uh, as you do that, I guess just kind of a, a lead into that a little bit. Um, you know, I like All Saints Day because it gives us the opportunity to think a little bit more about this type of stuff, yes. about things yeah. eternal, okay? Because I'm thinking, you know, um, a lot of us just in our day-to-day lives don't give that much thought to it. I mean, we're just, I mean, because we're busy, or we think we're busy, right, John? We've got work, we've yeah. got school, we've got responsibilities, and, you know, nowadays we've got TV screens, and laptop screens, and tablet screens, and, and cell phone screens, and, you know, it seems like we're just constantly, something is has our attention, right? Um, we, we don't have time to just kind of sort of sit and contemplate life and death. Um, instead, we're just sort of consumed by the here and now and things below, and, and we sort of neglect to think about things above, uh, the, the, things of, the things of the Lord, the things of heaven. So what I like about All Saints Day is it, it sort of gives us the opportunity, it almost forces us to think about life after death, a life after uh, Christ's return and what that looks like, and to really uh, shift our folks from just the earthly things to, to heavenly things, you know, not not that earthly things are wrong, or you know, or, you know, in terms of our day to day life, those are gifts from God, right? I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm not saying you should go off to a monastery somewhere to be holy or something like that. I'm just saying, though, know, in the midst of life, boy, we should be we should be conscious of and think about um, the, those things of the Lord, the, those things above. And again, uh, All Saints Day is an opportunity to do that. So, so Matt, just to, to touch on what you're saying there, I, I, there was a gal I used to visit in the nursing home. She was 101 years old. Wow. And, and, and when you're 101, you do. You do think about the end. And, and she said every night she would go to bed and she would pray, God, you know, take me home. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to go. Uh, and, and, and she said when she'd wake up in the morning, she was kind of glad he didn't answer her prayer. <laughs> and I think that's just what you're, you're saying, isn't it? That yeah, we ought to be yeah. aware that, that, that yeah. the end of the world is coming. We need to be focused on that. We shouldn't ignore that. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, let's be happy that it hasn't happened yet. And we've got plenty to do today, so we'll work on that. Kind of both of those things should be in our minds. Yes, yeah, I like that. Yeah, we we had a woman who was 107, John. Oh my! Uh, so yeah, 107. She uh, Virginia Palazzolo, 107, and she was born the same year that the Titanic sunk. Oh um, my goodness! Wow. And uh, you know, just sweet lady. But but again, you know, you get to that age, and it's like, yeah, Lord, you know, just take me home to heaven. <laughs> You know, I'm ready to yeah. be with you, yeah. and, and yet a, rec- a, a realization that oh, that's in the Lord's hands, though. That's that's not our timing. That, that's His timing, right? Um, but I think the beauty of that is, and, and what makes Christianity unique, and in some ways, you know, in some respects, even Lutherans unique, yeah. is that we have that certainty. So that that 101 oh, yeah. year old, that 107 year old, 
can pray that prayer confident that, yeah, if, if, I, if I don't wake up, I'm going to be with the Lord. Um, I, I think that's, that's incredible, and I think that, that certain hope, certain hope is something that I think sometimes we take for granted. It's a hope that not everyone has, right? Um, so yeah, just just thinking about different world religions. You know, we're, Christians aren't the only ones thinking about the afterlife, John. No, the only ones thinking about what happens after death. But you know, you think about um, uh, Hindus. We, we've got a number of members here at Ascension who are former Hindus, now baptized Christians. Thanks be to God for that. But you know, Hinduism. I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but basically teaches you know reincarnation that. You know, you if you have a good karma, you live a good life. You'll be, you'll come back as another creature that's pretty good. Uh, if you live a bad life, you're going to come back as a creature that's not so good. <laughs> but regardless, you keep coming back as some a creature in this world, uh, thousands of times, countless times even. Um, and you know, there's not a lot of hope there. There's there's no hope there. Um, I think of other world religions. So many of them. You know, Islam, one of them. Um, this idea of you know, our, whether we go to paradise or not is based upon, well, how good we are, how obedient we are, right? And then there's always the question in the back of your mind, was I ever good enough? Was I ever obedient enough? Um, but as, as you and I know, um, here in the United States at least, uh, the fastest growing quote-unquote religion uh, is, is just atheism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. no belief in God at all. You know, and, and for the atheists, what do they believe happens after death? You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing yeah. that happens. You rot in the ground. That's and, it. And if you're lucky, maybe you can can uh, fertilize a tree or something that, that yeah. you've achieved your goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're worm Tree food. fertilizer. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it, you, you, your body ceases to exist, obviously, it decays, but your soul ceases to exist, too. I mean, I that's, that's unfathomable to me. <laughs> you just, you're just no more. Yeah. Um, and, and yet... That's the fastest growing segment in in America, not worldwide, but in the United States. It's like, why in the world? You know, there's no hope there whatsoever. Um, but what I love for us as Christians is, oh boy, we have a, we have a certain hope that we can have a confidence that, yeah, when we die, we are going to be with the Lord. Uh, to 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 live as Christ, to die is gain, as, as Paul puts it. And certainly, at Christ's return, where He's going to take us uh, to be with Him. A certain certain hope. So yeah, let's so let's look at that a little more in, in Revelation chapter seven, John. If you wanna if you wanna go there, I, I got it. What verse would you like? Fantastic. Well, um, let's see. You know, just leading up, I think um, to to touch on this, um, I, I we'll start with maybe verse nine, but but I think right before that, it talks about this hundred forty four thousand, right? And yep, yep. that you know that's not a, a literal number of the number of people that are going to be in heaven. But I, I do think some people take that literally. The Jehovah's Witnesses do, John, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's 144,000 in heaven. That's it. Heaven's closed up. We're full. You're, you're, you're stuck somewhere else. <laughs> you know, maybe on earth, which in their minds isn't quite as good, right? And and there's not much hope there either. That You know, no, there's a limited no. number, I was thinking. So, again, no hope. But, again for, us, again, for us as Christians, there is a certain hope. So let's, let's read about that hope, John, in this beautiful account there. Uh, we begin with verse 9. And I think it's ironic that John specifically tells us, no, 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 there's not just 144,000, because he says, after this, I look and behold a great multitude that no one could number. In that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how, how, yeah, how clear can you be? Yeah. 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, if you want to skip down then, um, you know, what, what is, who is this crowd? What, who are these people? Especially verse 14, if you want to read that, or the, especially the last half of verse 14, right. John. And so who are they? Uh, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, I think that that's beautiful. And you have this scene in heaven, this multitude, like you said, no one could convert all tribes, languages, nations, people of all skin colors and languages and nationalities. And, and yet there's one in the center, right? And it, it's yeah. the Lord and, and the, the, the lamb, right? And then you know, why are they there? How? Why are these people there? Um, I love that in verse 14, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. You know, what a, what a vivid image, these white robes that are washed in blood, red blood, and yet that's how they became white. You know, their robes is in the blood of the Lamb. Um, you know, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus' blood shed on the cross. That's why we have this certain, certain hope as Christian people. Um, you know, and it's just, it's not like, and it's certain because it's all about Jesus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not dependent upon us. It's not like it's 50% are doing 50% Jesus, or it's not even 99% Jesus and 1% us. If it was, we would never know for sure. We, we would never know if our hope was certain. It would be wishy-washy. Uh, but it's 100% certain because it's 100% because of the blood of the Lamb that we are made white, that we are cleansed, that we are forgiven. And so we can have that confidence when we die that, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great sinner, no doubt about that, but Jesus is a far greater Savior. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, including all of my sins that he bore on the cross and that he he washes in his blood. So yeah, what a beautiful what a beautiful and it, hope. And it really it ties in nicely then with the parable we just had. So the idea isn't that we sit around and be anxious. Do I have enough oil? He's delayed. He's delayed. Maybe maybe the oil I brought won't last. You know, no, that's not the point. The point is you need to realize that there there needs to be oil, people. <laughs> okay, there needs to be oil. But as I think you've just illustrated, that's the oil, the the, the knowledge, the faith that. Jesus Christ has suffered and died for us. And, and in that forgiveness of sins, there'll always be enough oil, people. You, even if he would delay for another who knows how many thousands of years, there will be enough oil for Christians. There'll be enough oil for us as long as we're on this earth uh, because he's the one that fills our lamps with oil. In fact, there's a passage somewhere, darn it, if I could look it up, where it says that it's God who provides the oil. So, yeah, that, that's a beautiful, that certainty, and it, I think it ties in really nicely with what is really kind of a scary parable about, you know, will we be prepared in the end? Uh, but I think you've given us the answer how we know we will be prepared. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and we're, we're just, we're hardwired for, for something better than this life, I think. We look forward yeah. to the bridegroom coming. Um, we look forward to heaven. That's just, God has created us that way. We yearn for it, and as Christians, we know that, there is something better ahead. No, it, it, it isn't uncertain, and it isn't you know that we just die and, and we decay in the ground. There's something better. Uh, it, it, it's only going to get better because God's promised it, because it's, it's all because of Jesus. Uh, Revelation 2, Jesus says, uh, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I, I love that because it's Jesus is giving the crown of life, right? That's yeah. his promise. Something better is yet to come, and it's certain. 
for each one of us in Christ. So thank you very Matt. Uh, thank you, Matt, for giving us that, that certainty. Uh, and we wish that everyone who listens to us knows that certainty. This has been Wrestling with the Basics. <laughs> <laughs>